I'm interrupting my own podcast to talk to you about Anchor. Anchor is brought to you by Spotify and is the easiest way to make a podcast. Anchor allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. It will also help you distribute your podcast across popular podcast hosting platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. Best of all, you can make money from your podcast on Anchor with no minimum listenership. So for those of us just starting out, this is very helpful. And do you know how much it costs to have everything you need to make a podcast in one place? 100% free. Yep, you heard me right. You can do all of this and make money for free. So if you have been thinking about starting your own podcast, now is your chance. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now let's get back to the episode. Hi, I'm Yan. Hi, I'm Yvonne. Welcome to Lost and Refound Podcast. We're a podcast discussing our personal journeys as modern Asian women and sharing inspiring stories from within our community. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Now let's get started. Hi, listeners. You're listening to Lost and Refound Podcast. We have Yan and Yvonne here today. Hi, Yan. Hi, Yvonne. Hi, how's your week going so far? It's been a pretty good week. I actually took uh, this afternoon off, went to my coworker's house, had lunch with her, then sat in her jacuzzi for an hour. So Whoa. I am ready for this very sobering topic today. Yes. And sounds like a much needed recharge. Certainly yes. like after like the year that you've been having and a lot of the feelings that you've been having uh, recently, I know that depression is something that we talk about as well as healthy mindset. But I know that in the last um, couple months that you haven't been really feeling 100%. And I know that you're very open to talk about your experiences recently. And I was wondering if you'd be able to share just kind of like your recent journey um, and just kind of go through like, how did it all start? Yeah, so I think in a, a few episodes, I have mentioned that I've been going through depression. We have been pre-recording, so I'm not sure. I think this episode might go up before those oh, episodes. Um, <laughs> um, but that's okay. Um, but yes, I have been dealing with depression. In all honesty, I don't know when it started because I actually didn't realize I was in depression until I started hearing voices again that told me to basically kill myself. And that's usually the bottom for me. I think what happened is um, when holiday season hit last year, I started a new job. My stepdad was getting open heart surgery at 80 years old. COVID was going on. The kids are being home like all year. Everything added together was just a lot to handle. Naturally, what I usually do, what I used to do before was whenever I felt like it's too much for me to handle, but getting, I'm starting to get anxiety, I will dissociate myself so that I don't feel, I just do, which has carried me through most of my, my life and that strategy. But in 2020s, when we started like exploring more and truly opening up and finding out what makes us happy, and I had promised myself that I was going to live with awareness Right, always be aware and checking with myself all the time on how I'm feeling so that I don't dissociate. But I dissociated. And at that time, it worked for me. And I think I talked to you about this before. You know, for me, because I spent most of my life being dissociated, it's my natural state. So it feels very natural to me. Whereas living consciously and having more awareness to how I'm feeling and checking all the time is not 
a habit for me yet. It's something I had to remind myself to do. So I completely fell back to my old ways. And, you know, while I don't, I think sometimes we do have to dissociate because we don't always want to do what we want to do. And sometimes you kind of have to grit your teeth and just get it done. That is fine. But at the end of the day, you need to check in with, with yourself and bring yourself back but I wasn't doing that right it started with you know I stopped meditating every single day um, and I was like okay I'll, med- I'll meditate you know a couple of times a week and then I stopped doing that because it's so easy to say I don't have time right now right I don't have an hour and instead of thinking okay I can just meditate for 15 minutes if I don't have an hour I just don't meditate at all and then after that, I stopped working out. You know, and my excuse was, well, it's the holiday season. You know, I'm giving myself a break. I never picked that up again. You know, meditation was a way for me to check in with my brain, my mind, right? How I'm feeling, my emotions. And the working out was a way for me to get rid of anxiety. So right there, I took away two things that were very important for my mental health. Then I started eating very unhealthy. And, you know, I have definitely seen over the last year, the correlation between my mental health and what I'm consuming. I was eating a ton of junk food. I was not being healthy. I was not moving. You know, I was not checking myself. So all of that came to a point where it just hit me, right? I literally woke up one day, my body wasn't feeling well. My head was just like very fuzzy. And then every single day it just got worse. And then finally one day I woke up and I started hearing the voices like, you know, like those suicidal voices again, that are like, why are you doing this? Like, this is, you know, you're suffering, you know, you're unhappy. What is the point of all of this? And usually by that time it gets to that point, I should have done something a long time ago that is like at the bottom so it was really bad I have been dealing with depression most of my life Sable has seen me you know go through this process on and off through the years you know we've been together for 15-16 years now so he's seen it a few times but this time was I feel like was one of the worst times um because it got to the point where I was literally I could not get out of bed I was crying every single minute of the day I couldn't think the only energy I had was to take a few work meetings and like do the must do's on my list for work. I was just not to survive. Yeah, we're exactly. just surviving. Exactly. I was not that interactive with my children. I was definitely not doing much to help Sable around the house. And, and with that, you know, b- being me, I'm a caretaker kind of person. And that's where I feel value and I, where I feel good about myself, you know, And I didn't have any of that. So I really just felt like there's no point for living that I was, if anything, I was a burden to my family. So I remember um, one of the last days, um, the worst days of the depression, I was been crying all day and Sable finally came up and I told him, I was like, I just, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, I am over this. I've been dealing with this my entire life. I thought it was going to be better now. You know, I spent a whole year last year working on myself, but it's not better. I just, I cannot do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. And he was quiet for a long time. And then he finally said, I've seen you go through this many times and I love you more than anything, but I don't want you to suffer. You know, he says, if you truly don't want to live anymore, let's figure out for you to leave this world with family support that we can be there for you. So you're not alone. And he said, more importantly, I don't want to come home. I had the kids discover you dead in a house. It's like, I don't want you to traumatize our children, you know, for the rest of their lives. And when he said that, it it really meant a lot first for him to admit that it's okay. Like he's giving me the permission so that I won't feel like if I ever do take my life that he won't understand, you know, he's telling me that he understands, but that also made me realize it's very rare to have somebody who supports you to that degree. 
And it made me realize that if not anything, I need to do what I can for my children, for my family. And I know through all of this, I still have so much love to give. I have still so much, so many things I want to do. I just could not find the courage to do it. I could not find the motivation to do it. But something happened that because what I thought about what he said quite a while. And then finally, I said, thank you for telling me that, but I choose to live. And when I said I choose to live, something switched in me like immediately. And I remember after that, I got up and took a shower. And I was like, all right, enough crying, enough sulking. Let's get back on track. And then it's just being better and better every single day. Of course, it wasn't like the next day I was better. I was still, I was still the same next day than the day before, but I felt, I felt my purpose again. I felt like I found my reason again. So every day I took it really slow. It's really interesting because, you know, I dealt with depression last year too. And psychedelics was a huge help. It expedited the process. It pulled me right out and put me right back where I need to be. This time, Unstable has offered, you know, we have DMT, we have psilocybin, like, do you want to do something? I did not want to do anything. Everything in me was pushing it away. Everything in me was rejecting that, no, I don't want to do it. And because it was pushing away that idea, I didn't want to force myself. So I decided just to do this naturally this time to really allow myself to feel every single emotion and to work through every single emotion without the help of psychedelics. And that's what I did. So it did take me a lot longer. I still think it's pretty fast in my speed to recovery. I mean, I'm still not 100%. I think I'm like a 90% right now to what I would call normal. It's been like about a month, I think. So it's been pretty fast, but I, I, I have been trying to take it slower. So it wasn't like the next day I went back to working out and meditation. I just started working out this week again. Um, you know, after I decided that I was going to live, I was still immobile for a few days. And then I started walking Casper on the days in the afternoons where I don't have a lot of meeting. I'll walk him for an hour a day that helped to go out and get some fresh air. You know, seeing him in the dog park, playing with other dogs made me happy. That helped pull me out of my funk. And then this week I started working out um, in the morning, half an hour again. So that's helping me, you know, get rid of some excess stress. I've been sleeping better for the past week. So that's helped a lot to bring more clarity to me. Um, and then I started meditating again yesterday. Obviously, I'm, I'm not doing hour-long meditations. I'm doing like 10-minute meditations, but I'm breaking it up. So I'll do 10-minute in the morning, and I'll do like 10-minute in the afternoon. So I have like a few minutes to kind of regroup and sit down, relax my mind, and, and try to recharge. And then recently, I was watching Megan's uh, TikTok video, and she was sharing her skincare routine where she plays affirmation meditation at the same time. So I started doing that as well. And that's been really helpful. I actually really enjoy just listening to affirmation and repeating affirmation while I'm applying skincare. So that, that's been helping as well. So I've been putting a lot of things into it, uh, taking it one day at a time. I think I do have a whole new appreciation for this, going through it one day at a time without the help of psychedelics. With that said, I think I'm going to be doing a psychedelic journey sometime in March. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know when. I'm not quite ready yet, but I think I'm almost ready. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's been the, this, this journey. <laughs> Sorry, that was a very long answer. No, and I think that's exactly where I wanted to really get it because as a friend, I saw you go through it. And I know we didn't even talk about it. You didn't even tell me. Until I didn't tell anyone, like when you're in depression, it's so hard. I think I posted on Instagram 
something along lines of depression is like the loneliest disease. You know, it's like, I want to tell everyone, but my mouth will not open. And there's also a part of shame too, you know, shame that like, why am I still going this? I'm almost 40 years old, you know, like get your shit together. Why are you still going through this? So there's shame with it too. And I just want to thank everybody like on Facebook and Instagram through texts and, and calls, like everyone who's reached out after they saw my message, it means a lot. You know, I might not respond. I might not like say much to you aside from thank you, but that support is important because like I said, when you're in depression, it feels very lonely. And when you can't speak, it feels even more lonely because no one else knows what you're going through. And, you know, a lot of people don't understand what's going through. So like Cheris, I reach out through Instagram. I said, hey, I have never had depression. I don't understand it, but I hope you're okay. Like that to me means so much. Right. Because I do also have other friends who are just like, cheer up. Like, what's wrong with you? You know, who says that? Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, just people don't understand what depression is like. They think you just say, cheer up, go outside and get some fresh air. You'll be okay. That's not how depression works. I would love to be able to just go outside and be okay. But it's a mental state where you're literally, I feel like I'm in jail. I'm in solitary confinement. I've never put there by myself. You know, I I lock the door and I'm locking myself in purposely. And then you're, you're like purposely almost throwing away the key at the same time too. Mm -hmm. Cause you're just like, I hope I never open this door again. Yes. It's like when you're so angry, all you can see is anger. When you're so sad, all you can see is sadness. Like I was not seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. There was nothing but blackness. That's all I saw. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I remember you, you, that was definitely something that you told me just kind of helped me understand like where you were. And of course, like just keeping the communication open as well, because I I I was worried. I was so, so worried, but I felt so honored that you were able to share that and able to open up. Um, And also like now seeing you and talking to you now, you do have a lot of energy. Like when you said you were at a 90% energy level or 90% battery level, I can definitely see that. I can feel that because um, it's, it's almost like the light's gone out. Like, and you're just trying so hard. So I can imagine that if you're trying to fight all those inner voices in your head with no energy and no battery, like it's a losing battle. It's a losing battle that day of. Yeah. I mean, we recorded a couple of podcasts when I was, you know, in a depth of my depression. I seriously I have, cannot I, believe we did that. I <laughs> like, have no <laughs> idea what was talked about. Like, honestly, listen, like we said this, I don't remember anything because it was literally just get it done. And that's why we ended up having canceled or rescheduled a couple of them because I'm not doing anyone favors by sitting here and just nodding my head and like not listening to anything. But it, it feels good to be back. You know, yes. it definitely feels really good to be back. And and I think one of the reasons I told you I really want to do this is I feel like because depression is such a silent disease, when I'm able to speak about it is when I'm able to take the power back. And last year, um, you know, I was very, very focused on getting rid of my stepdad's voice. I thought he was the reason to my depression. He was the reason to my anxieties. And if I can get rid of his voice, then I will be okay. My depression will be gone, which was a very naive thing for me to believe. Um, The good thing is he is gone because when I went to depression this time, I wasn't hearing his voice. The bad thing is, yes, I'm not hearing his voice, but this time I hear my own voice which can also be more scary because now I have no one else to blame, but to look in the mirror and be like, okay, what else is in here that I've been suppressing? You know, so like this time, the journey has been going through like every single little memory I can think of, you know, trying to figure out where was the trauma? What did I have to address? You know, things I never even thought would be called trauma 
because you know when you're younger you go through things and that's just the way it is and looking back now I'm thinking about my kids went through it then I will call that trauma and now I'm able to say yes I went through this it was a terrible experience at the time but I adapted and I learned and I am the person I am for better or worse was because all of those experiences Another part of the reason I want to speak out is I want to also hopefully be able to help someone else who is going through depression, who feels like they don't know what to do and they don't know who to talk to. And my advice, just find someone you know who understands or who will at least sit down and listen and try to understand someone who really, truly loves you enough to want to sit down and understand and just speak, just word vomit. Even if it doesn't make sense, just say whatever you have to say. If you want to cry, cry. There were nights where I just start sobbing like uncontrollably and Sable was like, should I be worried? And I'll tell him, no, I am just releasing. You know, I'm, I am going through a memory right now that I have suppressed for so long. I never was able to release it. I'm trying to release that emotion and I'll feel better next, afterwards. And I do feel better afterwards. Not saying that it's not there anymore. It's still there. That's going to be with me the rest of my life. And I realize now this depression is never going away. I will have to deal with this rest of my life but I need to be armed with a plan, you know, and I need to be a lot more aware, right? So this year, my big goal is number one, facing all of my, my personal past traumas to, so I can address my own negative voice. And number two, be a lot more aware when I dissociate. And again, it's okay to dissociate. We all do it. I think it's very normal for us to dissociate, especially when we go through some unpleasant experience or we have to do something we don't want to, but then come back afterwards you know always be able to check in at night and also remember to be grateful i forgot about all the great things that was in my life and honestly i only started feeling more grateful i want to say like this week yesterday i think when i was doing my skincare and i was repeating after all the affirmations and all of a sudden i got this huge wave of gratitude and i was like oh my god i have not felt this for so long I felt like a hug i was like just instantly felt so much better to be able to feel gratitude again so so all of that, these are, you know, that's my goal this year. And do you think that a lot of the improvements and just the, a lot of the habits and routines that you've built in this particular time have been because of the changes that you've made, small changes, even friendship changes yes. um, that you've had um, and conversation changes? Yes, definitely. I think 2020 was a very important year for me, um, for my mental growth and spiritual growth. And the practice of meditation and working out, having that routine was a huge lesson. I used to always test like, am I a more routine person or should I be like more a wild child? <laughs> Last year I learned I cannot be a wild child. I need a purpose. I need a routine, right? I need a goal. I also learned I shouldn't put too much pressure on myself either, right? Make it a goal I can reach. Not like I used to set impossible goals and you just feel like, you know, instead of like saying, I want to, you know, go from here to a hundred. You know, now it's like, I want to go from here to 10%, to 20%, to 30%, that kind of goal. I learned I need that in my life. And so now I'm trying to set up my routine, my morning routine again, my evening routine again. I don't need routine in the middle of the day, but at least the morning and the evening is very important for me to start a day correct and to end my day with proper reflection and gratitude. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yes, and then the, the circle of friends, like last year, I you know, through our podcast, even though like we weren't allowed to go out, we were able to connect with a lot of incredible people. And these people have been very inspirational. We have stayed in touch with them. So when I announced my, my depression, those are the people that reached out to me the most. It was really helpful, like I said, to actually hear from people to know that they care. 
there's nothing worse than like saying you're depressed and you hear crickets. Um, and that's great to know, like that to anyone and to anyone who's listening, connections are real and they're super, super important. That's why you have to, you know, spend your energy on the people and the things that matter. Um, and I really want to go back to the first point that you were talking about when it was comes to one of the changes was changing your career and changing your job at that point. And I was wondering if that also had an impact on what you were, what you were also thinking about that life stage, because I know that you've changed jobs a couple of times. And I was wondering if that having roles and positions that didn't quite turn out the way you expected, if that also had a triggering effect on you. It definitely did. I was a Facebook briefly last year. Facebook's a, a different beast of a company. Um, the level of commitment they want from you is more than any other company I've been with. Um, I think if you're straight out of college and super hungry, it's a great place for you to be especially if you're on campus because of the energy. But being that I joined right at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, I have two kids. Uh, we're still trying to figure out this is learning. We're trying to figure out what to do with them. And then starting a new job at Facebook, you know, it was just too much. And that caused my dissociation because I had to, because I didn't know what to do. It was, it was a new situation for everyone. So I know I wasn't the only one in that boat. A lot of people went through depression, anxiety last year during that time. Um, but I was able to get over that. When I started at Walmart, it's a little different. I understood the environment because I used to work here. You know, I used to work there and I know the team. The problem I think for me is I spent my whole life trying to figure out what it is that I want, what it is that I want to do, why am I here? And last year was the year I realized what my purpose was. I have a very clear vision of how I want to live my life now. I have a very clear vision of what I want to do, what I'm meant to do. What brings me not just joy, but satisfaction and fulfillment. And I also have a very clear vision of what I don't want. And that what I don't no longer want to surround myself with is this consumerism, this very aggressive form of capitalism where, you know, you literally oppress everyone else so you can be richer, you can make more money. Um, you know, you do horrible things to the planet just so you can make an extra buck, like, I am no longer about that life. I was very much in the consumerism world. You know, I used to spend so much money on just random shit I don't need, you know, but I'm no longer about that life. And now I want to be out in the country. I want the open, fresh air. I want to be able to plant my own food. I want to be sustainable. I want to give back to the community. I want to foster children and foster animals. I want to do all of those things. So I want all of that. And I just feel like it's really hard to live a life that you feel unfulfilled in when you know what will be fulfilling. You know, it's one thing if I don't know what that is, I'm still searching. But it's another whole thing when I know beyond any doubt that that's the life I want, but I can't live that life right now. And that definitely had a huge contributing factor to my depression because I feel very trapped. Mm -hmm. and, and do you still feel trapped? I feel trapped in a way we are in the process of looking for a new property now, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I think we're going to move this year to a place with more land. Mm -hmm. I don't know where yet. Um, we're just starting the process, but I know since we're staying in the Bay area, Sable doesn't want to move more than an hour and a half away from where we're now, which means we're going to be spending a lot of money on an area with mm -hmm. all land. Land here is expensive. My original plan was to retire when I'm 40, which is next January. 
but I don't think that's going to happen anymore if we're going to buy a place here. So in a, in a way, I do feel a little trapped. But at the same time, I've been at this job for over 90 days now. I'm a lot more comfortable. Mm. It's sometimes it is stressful. There's a lot of meetings, um, but I'm not so stressed where I want to put my hair out. So I can see myself continue working here, you know, for a few more years until I feel I'm ready or until Sable's business set up. Plus, he just he just resigned as CEO yesterday. So wow, now it's huge. Yeah, he resigned. So he's no longer CEO. He's focused now on his coaching. So he needs time to build that up. I'm the breadwinner right now for the family. So it's a lot of pressure. But at the same time, you know, I think knowing that changes are coming, knowing that we're looking for property, it's giving me more purpose, giving me hope. And I think once we have a property, I'm going to have something I can work towards. And again, that's where my goal orientedness comes in. If I have a goal, I have a purpose for something. If I say I'm working this hard to save this much, much, much money so I can buy a cow, I'm going to be completely fine working this hard so I can buy a cow. So I need that to motivate me. If I don't have that, where I'm just working every day, saving money for like, I don't know when I'm going to get a new house. I start to lose motivation. I start to feel like, when is this going to end? You know, but at least for our purpose, it makes it feel a little better. And that makes a lot of sense, especially because purpose-driven life, right? Like so many self-help books, like based on that in terms of like, what, um, what's that thing that we're like missing or searching for? Did you, um, did you agree with the way that Disney Pixar's soul um, then was talking about like, in terms of like the purpose, maybe we have many purposes. Oh my gosh. I love that movie. That's actually, that's <laughs> Sable's favorite movie right now. He loves that movie. Yes. I felt like that movie did a really good job. Obviously, no one really knows the true purpose of the soul or what the soul, you know, where we go after we die. We've been doing a lot of research. We listen to a lot of different people talking about it. And I feel like I have a certain belief what, my, what a soul is. And what Pixar did was very similar to what I believe in. And I do believe we have, we're, I don't think we're ever meant here to do just one thing. I think our soul is here to, ex- to experience things. And whatever you experience, something that you have decided, that's where your individualism, I think, comes in, right? Because each soul is different, but every time we come back, and again, I, I believe in reincarnation. I believe we come back every single time until we have learned everything we need to learn before we move on. So everything at time we come back, we're learning something. And I now know 100% that my purpose here for this life is to give love, is to share that's where my purpose is. I am not here. <clears throat> I'm not here to be the next Jeff Bezos. <laughs> I'm not here to be the next Bill Gates. You know, nor am I here to be the next Mother Teresa. I'm here to do what I can do, which is I want to love my family and my community. I'm not looking to be to be everything to the world. I'm looking to to love and to affect my community where I can, you know, provide. Um, and help. Mm-hmm. And, and guys, like Yan always gives. She is such a giver. And so every day when I see her giving, it's it's absolutely true. Like I can I can see that like in your gift and and everything that you give to the world. And it's it's such an amazing thing when I do see you like kind of fall into that and you are happy. Like you don't even know you're happy, you're happy. <laughs> Versus just when you see these types of differences and just see these types of um, attitudes that you have and the gratitude without in days without gratitude, great days with gratitude. It's, it's incredible to see like your soul and your purpose kind of come through that way. 
Um, and that is, and, and I agree, like Soul is a very thought-provoking movie. I thought about my own purpose for a little bit. And I did think, I think the way that that character did eventually. Um, and whereas I was confused, I was confused on what I wanted. And therefore I was confused about my purpose. Um, and now knowing that I just, I just need to damn live. Like I just need to live my life <laughs> and live every day. Stop living in the future. Stop living in my past. I think that that's also like when I don't know if we'll talk about my depression journey like today, but just previously, um, certainly last year, I was really focusing on what I used to do, mm-hmm. on what I used to be really good at um, and what I really missed rather than focusing on what I can do now in this moment and and focusing my energy on that. And so you talking about your journey and going into the why and just like what happened, just really making me think about like, wow, like how, how am I going to, you know, take that and help me incorporate that when I go through Mind Valley? Because I know that this is going to happen for me next, right? Like, it's just, it's just natural. It, it happens. I have my good days. I have my good years. I have my bad years and I have my bad days. Um, and is that also something that you're kind of taking away, like keeping little notes and writing in journals to kind of remember all your learnings? Um, yeah, actually, I need to start journaling again. That's the next thing I need to get back to doing. I haven't gotten back to journaling yet, um, but I need to. Um, right now, I'm just kind of checking with myself, you know, if I'm mentally. Did, did I, yeah, exactly. How was how's my day today? Um, but I definitely want to start journaling. But I know that we, when we're talking about journaling, I know that you and I want to kind of help create a template mm-hmm. so that it, if it helps us, we're hoping that it can help other people as well is yeah. just helping organize our thoughts. Um, I know that you like to journal and, and do the meditation and affirmations in the morning. Um, I found that I like to do mine at night, actually, like usually in the morning. I'm, I've tried. I've, I've definitely tried to pray in the morning. I definitely try to do my affirmations, but it, it ends up always being a lot stronger for me at night. So for me, that that's kind of like where my routine kind of comes in a night routine. And um, yeah, I think better, that, yeah, I think yeah. it's whatever fits your routine at nighttime I tend to fall like I get really tired especially now nowadays um because I'm still like I said I'm still not 100% so everything takes a bit more effort and you know being more aware takes more effort you know so usually like by the time work's done like the kids stuff are done I have filled like videos for my cooking like I'm exhausted (laughs) but for me I don't journal a lot I don't write like a paragraph I only write like a couple lines or sometimes just a few words. So you know, in the morning, I like to journal like what my intention is for the day. You know, maybe just one sentence. Today, I want to focus on blah, blah, blah. And then in the evenings, I just do a reflection of gratitude. Here are all the things that made me happy today. You know, and that's it. Like, I don't sit there and write down, today I did this, blah, 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 blah. It's literally just like a few words. Versus Sable. Sable will literally write a freaking essay. So that's impressive. It, yeah, yeah so way to it go. depends on whatever you want to do. You know, for him, he's like, I hate it when people just write a few words. I'm like, well, everyone's different. Yeah. yeah. He, he's like, he's like, I don't think it works unless you write a whole paragraph, which because he said you have to go deep. For, for me, number one, I'm never wordy anyway. So things, whatever works for you. Yeah. And, and certainly like, I think for the two of us, sometimes our brain works faster than any of our yes. body. <laughs> so sometimes we skip words. Sometimes we definitely like miss things. And I was like, I can't write my, I can't read my own handwriting because I'm writing so fast. It's like squiddy lines. You know what? Let's leave it that way. I'm like, I don't know what that says. That's okay. No one, wa- no one sees it, just me. Yeah. It, yeah. I think we just, I just had to get it out of me and that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, and, and the reason why I asked that was because previously when I was talking to my therapist about different learnings and 
different strategies that she's been giving me, I, I started writing them down and I do find that I go back and read them during the days that are really hard for me. So mm-hmm. that was, um, that was really helpful for me. Um, and, and of course, it, in, for me, it was really the practice of me doing it. It is not necessarily me rereading it, but really the practice of me kind of reaffirming with my mm-hmm. own hand and penmanship, um, that action and that remembrance. And now I, it feels good. It feels good because I remember that journey. I remember how I felt before and I remember how I felt after. So um, that was that was a really good practice for me, for sure. So to know that you want to do that is is also amazing to hear. Um, and, and Sabo, way to go with a gratitude journal. I'm kind of curious to see um, how that goes and how he, he writes, writes a lot. He writes yeah. a lot. He writes specific people. Like every day he'll write like three people that he's grateful for. Oh, wow. That's yeah. impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he also talks to a lot of people every day. I'm like, I don't talk to anybody all day. So <laughs> I don't have three different people every single day. It's the same people. <laughs> yeah. And um, probably like the same thing with you and I, like we think about people like as it happens. So, and then we're like, thank you, Casper, like in our heads, right? Yeah. Like, thank you, dog. Thank you. Thank you, plants. <laughs> well, that's like, and, you know, on dinner time, we'll ask the kids to talk to say like, what are you grateful for today? Oh, and, but okay. it's quarantine. So every day is the same. I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for food. I'm grateful I can play video games. <laughs> There's nothing else that's going on. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, life is, you know, it's funny. Do you think life is simpler for your kids? Or do you think life is hard? Life is hard because this is the, they're the age where they need to be socializing. This is the age you should be out running about. This is not normal to keep kids all day inside, you know, where they can't play with the friends and they can't interact with new people. It's not normal. So I think this, this is hard for them. I mean, I'm very fortunate. I know a lot of kids are going crazy. My kids are, they're really good kids, you know, and they're usually pretty calm. They're perfectly happy staying indoors all day. They can play video games. I try to monitor them in their screen time, but at this point, I'm just like, fuck it. Whatever makes you happy, you do for now. Once we get back to normal life, we'll set new rules again. But right now, I'm just trying to have them get through every day. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, you want them to be happy. And if setting limits like at this point doesn't isn't, isn't and there's the not yeah there's not right. much for them to do inside the house anyway like right now I'm trying to set a new rule no screen time until five which but then like Savannah can't read so after like she does her homework she's practicing ukulele she doesn't have much more to do I can't read to her because I'm freaking doing work you know so she'll draw a little bit and then and so she wants to play a math game which fine but it's also screen time right because on the ipad it's a game on the ipad but i'm just like okay if it's educational game go ahead and play like it is what it is like what else am i gonna have you do run around in circles like <laughs> right right exactly like it truly like if that's not something yeah and if she wants to do math and it's she's done everything else um is do you think it's hard also kind of that pressure of being a mom and being a parent um, at this time and kind of seeing how other people are doing you're like am I doing this right very much very much um, I freaked out yesterday because all of a sudden I was like <laughs> I freaked out all of a sudden I was like I'm a terrible mom I don't know what because I, I was like I don't know what they're studying like I don't really check their homework because when they're doing school like literally Savannah is six she attends her classes and then she does her work she takes pictures online and then she's done I have no idea what she's learning I check on even less with Sophie because she's 10. So she's completely self-sufficient. So like, I feel really bad because I know a lot of Asian parents are like really on, on their kids and checking all of their homework. I don't do that. You know, I, if the teacher tells me, hey, they're missing something, then I'll pay attention more. But 
the teacher saying they're doing fine right now. So I'm not doing that. But I freaked out the other day because I'm like, oh my God, I literally don't know what they're learning. But at the same time, I also don't have time to pay attention to every single little thing because I have all this other stuff I have to do. Right. So I'm just trying to pick my battles right now and try not to put too much pressure on myself. Like Sable was like, you need to calm the fuck down. Because yeah. like I was so freaked out, Savannah started crying. And then Stable yelled at me and then I started crying. <laughs> and then afterwards, I was just like, I'm sorry. I don't know why I freaked out. You know, just one of those days where it just yeah, gets too much you sometimes. You need to let the emotion out. If you need yeah. to freak out, you need, and I think that that's where it's, it's really good to just, I, I'm so glad you acknowledged that. Like you just have to release that emotion. Like it doesn't do any good if it's just sitting all bottled up. And if you're going to release it on someone or someone else, um, in the near future. So um, I think that you just expressing that is, it's just such a, you have to validate your feelings. Yeah. And, and of course, like your children too, like if hopefully like they also come to you when they're feeling upset and if they need to talk as well, so then you can, you can have that open conversation with them. Yeah. And do you feel like you and Sable can have better conversations now um, after going through that stage that you have about depression and different thoughts that you you have yeah I think definitely because before last year uh, I remember Sable used to be one of those people who doesn't understand depression he's one of those people who used to be like you know he doesn't think anybody needs antidepressants you know he just like everything's controlled by your mind so if you have depression and you're, you're too weak you need to buckle up and do something about it. You know, um, don't rely on medication. He didn't really understand that sometimes it, you can't control it. When you have a chemical imbalance or when you have experienced a lot of trauma, a lot of part of you is closed, you know? So yes, no one says, I want to feel this way because depression is true suffering. You are really suffering really bad. You can't sleep. You can't think of anything all I hear in my head is just like, just end it, just end it, just end it. Like just over and over and over. Every single thought is negative. Every single thought is pretty dark, but he didn't understand that, you know? So it used to be very hard to talk to him about depression because I always feel like there's, there's something seriously wrong with me. And then I also get frustrated that he doesn't understand. And now he is starting to understand a lot more that this is more than just about getting enough sleep, just about eating the right nutrition, just about you know, getting exercise. For me, yes, I had depression. I have a high functioning depression. So if I don't want you to know I'm, not, I'm depressed, you will know I'm depressed because I'm able to act, right? Some people are not able to act and some people's depression are way worse than my depression. You know, I'm able to get over this without medication. That's my own circumstances. I don't necessarily think I have a chemical imbalance. I think I just have trauma that I never addressed, that I just suppressed my entire life because I was told my entire life, you're too sensitive. So I just thought all of it was my fault that I felt this way. I never thought of it as trauma. So now I understand trauma. I can address it and realize it's not my fault. But for a lot of people, it's actual chemical imbalance. In that, you need help with medication. I don't think anyone, again, this is my personal opinion, right? Obviously talk to a doctor, but I don't feel like anyone should be on medication for the rest of their lives, unless you have psychosis. That's a whole different thing, you know? But if you have depression, I think it is, you are able to work through it through with the help of medication, but you need to be on the plan to eventually get out the medica medication because you, your body will build a tolerance. You're going to need more and more and more. And this medication is obviously not healthy for you because anybody who's heard any commercials for antidepressants is if you want to get off, 
there's even more chance of you committing suicide. So it's not a long-term solution. It's a solution for you to get back into balance so you can eventually stop taking it. So I think in terms of mental health in, in this area, I feel like a lot of people I talk to who are on medication, they just truly reliant on medication. They don't try to then find a way to eventually phase that out. They just become dependent on it. And I think that is a problem that I, I do believe that there is, if you don't have things like psychosis, um, if you just have depression, and again, I'm not saying you just had depression, like it's easy, depression is terrible, but if you had depression, but not, not like bipolar or like psychosis, I think you're able to maintain a more balanced life with a plan with medication and then with a plan of changing your lifestyle. And yeah, certainly, um, I know that there's a lot of resources that we can definitely like, you know, take, like do research. And it's just nice to know that there's other things to go to than just like your primary care doctor, because I feel like sometimes that's the main question, right? When I go to the doctor's office, like my, there, my, um, my doctor asked me, have you been stressed yet? Who's not stressed, right? Like what's, what are they going to give me to reduce like my stress level? Like my question is that like, are they stressed? Like, what is my doctor doing? Yeah. I, I want to know, like, it, have, has anybody solved that problem? Like in the medical industry? Um, and that's yeah. Open question for sure. And uh, definitely open to like other suggestions and what is everyone else like, rec- like, what do they do? Um, and what, what has really helped them? I think it's really about that community level, like just sharing, sharing like your open conversation and just talking about it more openly so that we can remove that stigma and so that we can feel okay, like just talking about this and having real conversations. Um, because, um, very similarly, um, my, my significant other just doesn't, he doesn't feel depressed. Like he doesn't know what that means. He's like, why are you unhappy? What is this unhappiness? Not even my parents. That's why it was so difficult for me to really talk about a lot of depression when I was, when I was in college specifically, because my parents thought I was crazy. They, they were like, like, what did we do wrong? Like that you have to go to a therapist. I'm like, um, well, I mean, yes, there was a lot of issues (laughs) that I uh, but I can't they're not like solely to blame right like there's so much that I generally had to go through and and on just unplug and I remember in my very first therapist uh appointment I had no idea what to do I sat there and cried in a chair and angrily stared at my therapist because I I I did not know how to express my feelings Mm -hmm. and how to unbuckle and unbutton everything because even the small things everything was small to me everything was like oh that's not a big deal like this person said that to me this person threw eggs at me like I thought that was fine yeah again I can't speak to it for other cultures but I do know like growing up in Asian culture like you are very much taught not to feel right at least I was taught to just stay in line don't make a huge fuss don't have drama you know just do what you're told to do um and yeah, so for me too, like a lot of experience I went through was, you know, I, like I said, I never thought of it as trauma. I thought of it as, okay, I'm being too sensitive, you know, like everybody must go through this. And yeah, Asian families don't talk about feelings. I yeah, remember so my parents just never yeah. talked about when they were unhappy. No, they, nev- you, they, even they, though they never, they clearly weren't, yeah. they were clearly not happy. And they were just holding it. I saw that as a child, but they were like, no, we're fine. Everything yeah. is fine. I told my, I remember when I was, God, I was maybe early high school or late middle school. 
I was singing along to, I forgot what song it was, but it was about death and suicide. And then I told my parents, I'm unhappy. I want to die. And they laughed at me. They're like, you don't know anything. Like, what do you know? You're so young. What do you know about death? They just laughed at me. And then when I was 15, I think, was when I tried to commit suicide, I took a ton of sleeping pills. Fortunately now, unfortunately back then for me, but fortunately now, you know, my body had a huge reaction where I threw up a lot. So I didn't die. I ended up sleeping for a long time. But my parents never took me to a hospital. They never got a therapist for me. They never asked me like what was wrong. Instead, I got punished for it. My stepdad got super angry, said I was selfish and like, I'm a terrible person for trying to do this to them, to my mom. And I got grounded for it. So yeah, Asian families don't think about these things. It was very much then afterwards, it was swept under the rug. You know, none and of us ever never told anybody, no. never told their no. family members, like, no one hey, was like, ever addressed. having some issues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think I told you the other day, like my body had a really bad reaction to it for like six months afterwards. I was, I was sweat profusely, even when it's cold outside and I was smell really bad. And being Asians, we don't smell. Even when we like work out and sweat, we don't smell. But for that six months, my body was going through a super like craziness and never once did they take me to a hospital. Like my stud is like, here, wear some perfume, go take more showers, you know? Oh my gosh. You know, no wonder I have trauma I have not addressed. All of those things, I just kind of swept under a rug too. It was like, oh, that happened. Everybody must go through that. And now I realize, no, that's not normal. If my children went through that, it would be a huge alarming bill. If my ch- children told me they want to die. Actually, Savannah sometimes be like, oh, I wish I, I wish I was dead. You know, obviously she's like five or six. She just, I don't know where she heard it from. She's repeating it. But every time we sit her down, like, why do you say that? You know, like, do you know what that even means? Like we try to address it. So she understands what that means. But no, like my parents, they just laughed at me. Like I was a child, didn't understand anything, but children understand things. Not maybe not everything, but they understand certain things. And how would your parents address that now? Like, have you ever talked to them about that specific situation? You know, I confronted my mom last year about my stepdad. I didn't go through the, my suicide thing. Like, again, like I said, last year, I thought all of my trauma was stemmed from my stepdad. Mm. You know, I wasn't thinking. I thought once I got rid of that, I was going to be fine. But no, like all there's all of these trauma that I need to address as well. And I didn't talk to my mom about it. Now my mom definitely is an advocate for mental health. She's had two divorces already, you know, that affects your mental health. She was very unhappy for a while. Me and her, I cut my ties with her for over a year. Once for like almost a year, once for over a year, you know, so I cut off ties with her complete twice. Um, So she's been through a lot too. And I know she's, I think she's saw her own therapist. So she, I think, understands a lot more. Um. And, you know, like I said, I did talk to her about my stepdad last year, but now I'm kind of just working through myself. I don't really want to dredge it up with her necessarily because there's nothing she can really change. I know she's a different person now. And I understand now I, I was so angry with her before, which is why I cut off ties with her multiple times. You know, we have a very tumultuous relationship. We are very different people. So we express things differently. My mother, she's a very strong woman. We didn't always get along and I blamed her a lot for a lot of things. And now I understand a lot more. And so I understand like, it's not her fault. You know, she did what she thought was right because when she was growing up, she had her mom, I'm convinced my grandma was bipolar. Her mother was terrible to her. 
called her all kinds of names, didn't give a crap about her. Well, actually, in fact, when she died, she didn't even leave a will. She would rather have her property go to the government than to her children. On purpose, she did that on purpose. So she had a really bad relationship with her mother. And also during her time, like our parents' generation, mental health was not something they focused on. It was survival, especially being immigrants. It was coming here, you survive, right? Mm. And, you, and if you can thrive, then you made it in life. No or one thinks, yeah, no one, no one is thinking about how happy I am. It's literally like make the money so that our children can have the opportunity. So I know she did a lot of it is what she thought, she thought was right for me. Yes, it caused me a lot of trauma, but she wasn't, she didn't go out there trying to cause me trauma. You know, she did what she thought would be the best for me. And so I had to accept it. No, it wasn't the right thing. But at the end of the day, it molded me into the person I am. And now I know what not to do with my children. You know, I used to make fun and say, oh, the way I raise my children is the opposite of everything my mom did for me. As a joke. And now, actually, I don't find that very funny at all, you know, because I know my mom did her best. I can't blame her. And she did a lot of things right, too. You know, in a lot of ways, I am a lot like her, too. So now I, I do a combination of what she did that I, I think was right and then what and then do the opposite of what she did. I think what was wrong. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I know I will, of course, inadvertently cause trauma to my children at some point in their lives. And then they will have to learn from me and then hopefully be even better parents to their children. Mm-hmm. But I think that's why every generation is supposed to be better because we're supposed to learn from the previous generation. Yes. And prevent generational trauma. Yes, like and prevent generation. Yeah. You know, like my stepdad beat the crap out of me. I'm not, I know I'm not going to be the crap out of my children, no matter how mad I am, because I know, number one, that didn't help anyone, you know, and number two, that was a source of so much trauma. I would not want to do that to my children. So you learn, and then hopefully you don't do the same to your children. Mm. And you can become an advocate for others the way that, you know, Ashley Lauren and, um, and so many of our amazing guests have, have been able to change um, change their own lives and been able to do something and give that knowledge to the world because again that's that's all we're here about like just sharing and just talking and bringing community together because to hear that quite possibly that you might not that might not be the only story out there right and that someone else is like they're really feeling so alone and they just want to hear like how how you were able to to surpass that how are you able to like move past that obstacle and get to the stage you are now because it is sometimes it's nice to know that it is possible and especially when you're in a low that it's possible to like get out because certainly like i can speak from experience like when you're in that valley it feels it feels impossible yes. even though you know it's not it feels impossible and you just feel blind yeah. that you can't reach for anything and that nobody wants to help you. I know that also sounds crazy, but when I'm also in that way, I feel that nobody cares about me and nobody loves yes. me. Yes. Even nobody though like, yeah, yeah, like, like I said, like you were reaching out to me, you know, Megan reached out to me. People are reaching out to me through Instagram, you know, so I know people are there. And like I said, it's, especially in hindsight, I feel so grateful that you guys are there. At that moment though, I don't really feel much except like, I still just feel very lonely, like alone, like no one can understand what I'm going through, which is not true. And like speaking of trauma, I think we both mentioned like we felt like our trauma shouldn't have been such a big deal, right? It was just like you went through it. And I think that's something I had to deal with because, you know, when I started thinking through my trauma, I had a lot of shame in feeling like, well, was that really trauma? 
you sort of judging yourself right always say like okay well it wasn't as bad as someone else's trauma so like i shouldn't feel that bad for example you know we talked to ashley lauren who was a, a survivor of sexual and domestic abuse and whenever i talk to people who are survivors of sexual abuse i have carried a lot of shame from my stepdad you know i think i was like 16 maybe one day i came home and he made me take out all my clothes in front of him and he called me a whore and he said like you know if you let other guys see it why can't i see it oh my gosh yeah and you've never said this before. yeah and then he called me a whore and all of that and i felt very vulnerable because well i was really young i was scared shit of him this of him because he used to beat the shit out of me and my mom wasn't there and i was like almost i was naked in front of this grown man you know it was very shameful but i didn't tell anyone because i felt like it was like i was like he didn't touch me so why do i feel so much shame you know, he like, what is wrong with me? Like, why do I feel like I'm just too sensitive? So for so many years, I blamed myself for feeling bad because I felt like he's not like he touched me. He didn't really. So that's not sexual abuse. So I'm just being very, very sensitive. Before I got married, I had gotten really drunk one night and Sable came home to me, like passed on the bed with tons of sleeping pills. I had tried to take a bunch of sleeping pills again. And I think I was so drunk. I don't know. I don't think I took that many, but he said, I was just crying and saying, I was saying, it's like, I was so young. Why did he do that to me? Why did he do that? So obviously that trauma was there. You know, it was coming out of me when I was really drunk, when I had no more control of of suppressing it. That was, was one of the hardest thing for me to deal. Even now it's the hardest thing for me to deal because I still, there's still part of me feel like that wasn't such a big deal because he didn't touch me. You know, because I listen to so many true crime stories of uh, that involve sexual abuse on, on children, on, on young girls. But for me, it's like, well, my, my experience is not as bad as any of these girls. So I shouldn't feel that bad. Like, I don't have, I don't deserve to be called a victim of sexual abuse when they didn't touch me. But then as a mom, when I think like, if say what did to my children, I will fucking kill him. I will fucking kill him with my bare hands, you know? So I do understand now that it is trauma. That is still one of the hardest things for me to do because of number one, for so many years, I blame myself. And number two, so many years, I blame myself for being, for being so weak that I actually took out my clothes in front of him because I forgot that there was so much fear in me at the same time too of what he was going to do to me if I didn't obey him. You know, so that is something that I am still dealing with. So I want everybody to know, like, you might not think it's trauma or you might not think it shouldn't be such a big deal. But if you're still thinking about it such a long time later, then it is trauma. You know, if it's still in the back of your mind, it still comes up whenever you're no longer, you're not in control. If you're drunk or if you're, you know, not, not completely in control of your emotions, it comes up, then it's trauma you need to deal with. And I know that's trauma I still have to deal with. Thank you for, for sharing that and being so open because that is, as you know, as a friend, even just hearing different traumas and stories like come through, especially when we're talking or it's so real, I think that that just help, helps anybody else like also feeling that way to be able to help, be able to the first time maybe like overcome that challenge. And for the first time being able to tell somebody, when was the first time you ever told anyone that? One of my best friends know, and then my husband knows. That's it. My mom doesn't, oh no, I, I did tell my mom. I told my mom uh, last year when I, when I confronted her, she was very upset, obviously. She's like, I had no idea. You know, if I knew I wouldn't, I would have left him. 
But I didn't tell my mom because at the time he was already hitting me. My mom knew. My mom told me behind closed doors she was arguing with him, but she didn't do it in front of my face. I don't know. You know, so I didn't trust my mom. I don't have any trust in my mom until last year when we actually I let everything out. And I told her, I just want to start over. The main theme in my entire life has been loneliness. I was my entire life. When I was in Shanghai, it wasn't, it was less lonely because my grandma was there all the time. She was my mom. She is to me still to this day. She was the maternal figure I needed in my life. My dad was there. My cousins who were uh, just two years younger than me were there. So I was always surrounded by a lot of love. My loneliness came from that I was only a kid who didn't have a mother. So a lot of my loneliness came from not understanding what it's we like to have a mom. But my true loneliness came in when I came to the United States because I, I didn't know my mom. You know, she left when I was two. I had zero memory of her. To me, she was a stranger. And then she brought me here. I didn't know a single person. All of a sudden, I have a stepdad. I didn't know that I had a stepdad. I didn't speak the language. And I basically left everything I knew to come here. And, you know, my mom was working, you know, and she had to work so that she can provide for me. My step was working. So I was very alone. My stepdad also didn't encourage me to have friends. He didn't have a lot of friends. And he used to always tell me, like, you don't need friends. The only friends you need are books. And your best friend should be a dictionary. Like, she would, he, I would get a dictionary every single birthday because that's supposed to be my best friend. And if anybody calls my house, he would give them a third degree. Like, where do, you, where do you know her from? Like, why are you calling? It was very strict. So I was very, very lonely. And, and probably fearful as well. If, also like, fearful, yes. Yeah, if your stepdad and your mother's yeah. telling you this. and Yeah. So, you know, I didn't have a lot of friends. On top of that, I was already a very shy kid. You know, I was very shy, very insecure. Um, so I didn't speak, I didn't open up anyway. And so, and with the home environment where they don't encourage you to have a social life, you know, I didn't really have a lot of friends. I had friends at school, but I would say like, none of my friends were so close where they truly knew me because I didn't even know me. You know, like I would never felt confident enough to speak up of what I really wanted. I just kind of went along with, with everyone else. And in a way, Part of the reason I felt so much shame for my stepdad telling me to take on my clothes, and I did, was I did think I was a slut. You know, I lost my virginity when I was 15 years old. I had quote-unquote boyfriends, but let's be honest, they're not my boyfriends. They're just like players that I would like sleep around with. And, you know, looking back now, I was trying to think like, you know, was this really sex I was after? Because sex was really, really bad. <laughs> um but I was thinking, you know, when I was going through this depression, really digging in, like, why was I that way? And I realized every decision I made wasn't that I wanted sex. It was that I wanted, I wanted affection. I didn't want to feel lonely. I, need, I wanted something to fill me up so I can feel something. But all you ended up doing is making me feel worse because none of the guys I was with cared about me. And part of it was not all their fault. I did date a lot of, I was very attracted to bad boys. So yes. I did date them and, you know, having an abusive stepfather, you get used to abusive language hurled at you, you know, or abusive behavior. So to me, there was nothing wrong, but I did date a couple guys who truly are genuine guys and they did truly want to get to know me, but I just never opened up for them to have the opportunity to know me. I wasn't confident enough to open up. I was so insecure. I hated who I was, you know, so why would I open up, you know? So instead I just tried to fill a void by sleeping around. So yeah, so that's been a main theme in my life that drove a lot of my decisions. And now I, there's still part of me that mourns for that girl 
that I used to be. I can still, when I think about these things, I can feel the loneliness. I can feel the desperation. I used to feel all the time to just feel something, to, to feel loved. I wanted to be loved so badly, but I also feel so much gratitude for what I have now because I feel so much love now for my family and for my friends. I feel so much gratitude, especially now that I'm out of my depression. I have so much gratitude for every single person that reached out to me, for every single person that said, no, we don't have the meat now. Like you take care of yourself, you do you. You know, that was, that meant a lot to me. So again, I just want to thank everyone who was there, who reached out and, you know, I might not have shown a lot of appreciation at the moment, but I hope with every single one of them, they know, know how much it, it means and if you ever encounter someone who's going through depression all you have to tell, let them know is that you know it's it's okay if you don't want to talk now but just know I'm always here you know pick up the phone or just come over you know anytime I'm there for you when you're ready just let them know that you understand that they don't want to talk because you can't force a depressed person to talk it doesn't work that way let them know you're there but don't tell them just to just just have fun just go you know just cheer up. This is the worst thing you can say to a depressed person. Yes, we want to be happy. None of us want to be depressed. None of us want to be shut up in a room crying all day, you know, but we are literally just in such a low valley where we cannot see over the little hill. We just need time. We need, and we need, just need to know that you are there and we will reach out when we are ready. And then also you might not want to want to speak up, but at some point just try. I would say have a buddy system, you know, have someone who you know will understand with depression, but don't go talk to somebody who doesn't know what depression is like. You know, I hope everyone has someone in their lives who understands what it's like to have depression, who can help support you during that moment. You can be each other's supporter, almost like an AA, right? You need that one support person that you can trust and talk to because you, you need to know that that person will understand. And once you speak up, it really does take the power away. You know, once I was able to tell my mother everything I felt, I was able, finally able to expel my stepdad's control over me for so many years. It is taking the power back, but taking the power back takes a lot of courage, takes a lot of encouragement. And, and I know that Sable, like for sure, is like such an amazing person. And I was going to ask, like, after all that experience, how did you, how did you feel comfortable with a, another man again? How did you feel comfortable with Sable? And know that he was the right one. Um, like I said, I was always looking for love. So I was, I mean, I had no problem moving to a next man. Um, it's just about finding the right man. I got really lucky because like I said, I was really into bad boys. And when I first met Sable, all I knew of him, because I have been, I met him at the dog park. We didn't talk for a long time. I see him kind of around and I was interested. He's 5'10", really skinny. He's natural size, like a small to a medium. He was wearing like extra large sweatsuits. He had shaved head. He had tattoo in the middle of his head. He looked like a bad boy. He looked like the kind of guy I would go for. So I like had my eye on him. And then I remember the first time we spoke, I realized he is super smart. He's very respectful. He's not like any guy I have ever, like any bad boy I've ever met. And actually for me, right away, I knew he was the one for me. I just knew that I was going to marry him. I had no idea why. I knew. We actually broke up a month after started dating because he got scared. And uh, he he's never had a relationship more than six months before he met me. 
so he got he got scared and he uh we we broke up and i remember after we broke up my best friend asked me so do you still think he's the one he kind of he was kind of laughing at me i was like i do he's like but you guys are broken up i was like i don't know how i just know we're meant to be together i only felt that way about two nine people two things about in my life one's with sable and the others with casper and casper's my dog for anybody who <laughs> well, I just adopted last November. The minute I saw him, his picture online and his eyes, I was like, I knew he was a dog for us. Um, that's that's only happened to me twice. You know, so that was a very strong feeling. So I just knew and I got really lucky with him. That's beautiful. And and it's and you guys have both grown together. I I knew you Definitely. guys like a year before and now even this year, this past year, you guys have grown so much and just even knowing like where Sable is in his journey and helping other people like I mean guys like if you haven't listened to Sable's episode um on our podcast definitely go check it out and listen because it's the free therapy session <laughs> and he will coach the the fear of the almost the fear out of you um and he he so he does such a great job we definitely want to plug him and he as is doing so much work like with himself and you too like just always showing that that journey never stops it never should and it's just constant and it's it should be um should be constant and we're constantly all working on ourselves and yeah you're always growing and honestly like, we are completely different like 180 from the people we used to be when we first started dating even when we got married you know sable used to have a zero emotion he definitely was one of those typical Asian men who felt like you need to bury your emotions. You just make the money. You're the patriarch of your family. You know, that's, that's his role. He will say all the time, I pulled the emotions out of him. I taught him empathy and I taught him to think about how other people are feeling, not just focus on his own goals. And I, on the other hand, never communicated. He had to teach me to communicate. I was the person who like, if I'm upset, you better know I'm upset. <laughs> you know he's like how am I supposed to I'm not you <laughs> so I had to learn to communicate so we're definitely like I am nothing like I used to be I don't think the way I used to be I don't feel the way I used to be and he is also nothing like he used to be and we are continuing to grow and I hope in one year in three years or five years we're again completely different people because we should be growing you should never stop but I hope we grow together and that's very important for married couples is it's so easy to grow separately in different directions but you really have to form a team so you can grow together otherwise that's how you end up in divorce if you start growing separately right um and and, and you also have to grow with your children too right yes because you yep. have two other personalities in your yep. households and should they should you be so lucky that they also have a different personality <laughs> we all all of us are so different you know and, and it's really funny because Sophie is like, oh, she's like my mini me. She is so similar to me with added bonus of Sable. So she has all of my cautious part, my shy part, my um, reserve part, my rule following part. But she's got also a little bit of Sable where she's, she's definitely more outgoing than me. She's more confident than me. And then Savannah is like a mini me of Sable. She is outgoing. She is, you know, really funny. She does what she wants. She walks to the beat of her own drums. Um, but she's also got a little bit of me. She's got a little bit of cautious, caution in her. She's got a little bit of shyness in her. Um, but interestingly, I'm a lot harder on Sophie and Sable is a lot harder than Savannah. And I, my theory is we recognize in them part of ourselves 
that we are not that happy with. You know, I wish I wasn't that lonely child. I wish I was more outgoing. I wish I had a little more courage. I wish I didn't cry as much. So I'm a lot harder on Sophie. And I have to remind myself all the time, if anyone understands what she's feeling is me. Because when I see her going through something, it immediately triggers that side of me. And I feel everything she's feeling. And that brings it up. Instead of feeling empathy, I feel frustration. Because I, I don't want her to go through it. I don't, so it's almost like I'm more harsh on her to be like, don't behave that way. And I had to remind myself, you know, when I was her age, I needed encouragement. I didn't need somebody to be like, you shouldn't act this way. Mm-hmm. And Sable, because he's used to dealing with me, he was swooping like, okay, let me help you. He's a lot more patient and he's able to help her through. And same thing with Savannah, you know, when Savannah acts up, Sable's like, stop doing that. It's very much like his behavior when he was younger because I've been dealing with his antics so long. I'm able to sweep you and be, and be very calm, be like, okay, you shouldn't do that. It's a very interesting dyna- dynamic to see when you recognize your own behavior, that triggering emotion can make you think illogically and can make you react so quickly and negatively versus like trying to figure out how you should be encouraging them. And, and of course, like hoping that you guys also can learn more about yourselves in the process too. Like, yes, we definitely like, learn. Yep. Wow. <laughs> like I didn't realize I did that. I remember um, my friend, uh, she just, uh, her baby just started talking and she realizes that she repeats the word no um, multiple times. She'd be like, no, 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 no. And then now her baby is telling her that. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And, and so that's really important. Like I'm sure your affirmations, for example, like, and your routines, like just constantly telling yourself positive um, positive vibes when you need to hear them. And of course, like allowing them to express when, when they need to express as well. Um, and having safe outlets and certainly like you being in the safe space, like, so that your children can be the safe space that you feel like you didn't have. Yep. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, no, <laughs> thank you for hosting this episode. I mean, this is, I was really nervous about nervous about this episode, um, <laughs> but I was also really excited about this episode because I was, you know, I'm 98% there. I want to take my power back. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to express and I also want to be able to explain what, what depression is like because the messages I was getting like, oh, I didn't, I don't know what it's like to have depression, you know, and I just want people to know it's not a choice. <laughs> you know, I didn't, I don't choose to have depression. It is literally happens to you because of, we have gone through your life because of maybe a chemical imbalance in your body mm-hmm. through talking through sharing experiences it does help um so i am i'm very excited i'm very happy to be able to say so much today and to release so much today even if this even encourages one person to speak up to open up about their depression please do you know so many people don't understand depression and so many people don't understand high function depression and for those of us with high-function anxiety, high-function depression, it's so easy to hide it. And because there's so much shame associated, we don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. And you're not doing anyone favors. Take it from me. I was not doing myself favors by, by being proud that I can mask this depression and no one else knows that I'm going through inside. It's, you're not doing anyone favors. It all catches up some, at some point in your life. You know, if you guys need help or, you know, if anyone wants to reach out, you know where to find us lost and refound um, podcast at gmail.com and feel free to send us a DM. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Thanks everyone. Bye.
Bye. Thanks again for listening to this episode. We really appreciate your support for our little podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, it will mean the world to us if you can leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify. This will help more people discover our podcast. You can find Lost and Refound podcast on Instagram at lost dot and dot refound. If you want to email us, you can do so at lostandrefoundpodcast at gmail dot com. Until next time, I hope you stay positive and creative. Bye.